Welcome to All Things Apostolic. You may have read in the news there is a religious awakening taking place, and it is breaking out particularly at a university named Asbury University in the state of Kentucky. Asbury University is named after Francis Asbury, one of the first two Methodist bishops in the history of America in Methodism. He is one of the shapers also of early America. Through his itinerant preaching, Francis Asbury, after whom this university is named, averaged riding 6,000 miles a year on horseback and preaching virtually every day, seven days a week. He founded two universities, one of which is Asbury University, in which this revival is breaking out. Now, what people are asking is, is this the beginning of the third great awakening religiously in America? In history, the first great awakening in America took place uh, approximately from 1720 to 1740. The primary figures in that, the preachers, were one that you will recognize immediately, Jonathan Edwards. And another that many of you will recognize, George Whitfield. Also, perhaps the most renowned of them all, was John Wesley. And of course, his brother Charles, the great hymn writer. Began in the late 1600s and early 1700s in Western Europe was revival. Holy Ghost revival. It was powerful. And it swept through Western Europe, and later the United States. These preachers in those days, in these revivals, included every person in conversion that they could find, regardless, think of this, regardless of gender or race or economic status. Here was one of the earliest examples of how the presence of the Holy Spirit erases prejudices based on race, gender, or economic status, or other things. Now, there were opponents. There were accusers. They featured primarily as their complaints that it was fostering disorder and fanaticism. They named these people enthusiasts because they were so excited about what was happening in their lives. It encouraged uneducated preachers, and they didn't like that. But it swept America. And in Harvard University, at the chapel service there, the Holy Spirit broke out, and for days the students would not leave the chapel. They stayed there. They prayed. They sought God. They felt the touch of the Holy Spirit. The second Great Awakening in America started in 1795 and went to 1835. The first part of that revival was characterized mainly by the ministry of a man named Barton Stone. This was in Kentucky and Tennessee and also James McCready and John McGee. Then in the middle of that, in 1810 to approximately 1825, it, it jumped to New England, primarily in congregational churches, Timothy Twight. Uh, Dwight and Lyman 
Beecher were two of the primary people that led this revival. Then the latter part of that Great Awakening in 1825 to 1835 started in New York, was led by an evangelist who first was a school teacher and later was an attorney. He was converted in 1821 and he became a powerful evangelist. He dropped his law practice. He conducted revival meetings. He preached almost continuous revival in New York for several years. In 1834, in New York City, he had preached there for several years. The followers built him Broadway Tabernacle. In Rochester, New York alone, over 100,000 were converted in the city, and it was by this man's ministry. Eventually, he preached in every major city in America. He became president of Oberlin College in Oberlin, Ohio. Many other things we could talk about. But that revival also touched universities, including Harvard again. And the power of the Holy Spirit swept across the nation, transforming the nation into primarily a religious nation. So what about Asbury University in the news right now, even as I'm speaking, where students now for the last three or four days have the, they have not stopped the chapel service. It goes on and on. To talk about that, here is Dr. Casey C's and Harvard graduate Brian Williams. We're going to discuss this further. Thank you, Dr. Wilson. Um, my name is Brian Williams, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Casey Sees, and uh, we're going to discuss some of those particular things. And um, So, Brian, I heard ahead. that yeah. the first and second Great Awakening uh, had a profound impact on Harvard University. Uh-huh. As an alumnus of Harvard, is there still evidence of the impact of on Harvard campus? Okay, yes. I, um, if you go to the Harvard campus now, um, it is much different, obviously, than it was during the Second Great Awakening. But it, you can see there's a lot of innovation. In fact, it's the campus is ground zero for a lot of uh, innovation in research, technology, education. And uh, there's a lot of startup companies that happen there. And you can see just a very bustling university and culture of innovation. But against that backdrop, there still remains to this day the fragments and the very um, uh, resounding structures of what was put in place during the Second Great Awakening. For example, some of the buildings you'll see there now, uh, they have scriptures that are engraved in stone on the buildings that were done years and years ago. And uh, on the gates of, of particular parts of the university, uh, it'll have scriptures uh, about, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In fact, the, the motto of, of Harvard University is veritas, which, which means truth. And so uh, the university's founding was upon Christian uh, principles. In fact, um, those particular Christian principles uh, are, you, you know, the fact that Harvard was so influential throughout the country, it played a great role during the, the uh, Second Great Awakening in, um, in uh, influencing the country uh, as having the foundations of Christian theology uh, right there in, in Boston, Massachusetts. And it continues to have an impact today, even though it's a secular university now. It still holds, or uh, the remnants of that still exist uh, even to this day. And so I wanted to pivot to you, uh, Dr. C's, about 
the, the things that are happening right now in Kentucky, in the Asbury University, uh, can you discuss, talk about some of the connections between Asbury University and the Great Awakening? Sure. So the founders of Asbury University were inspired by the life and ministry of Francis Asbury. Um, so interestingly, Francis Asbury uh, played a significant role in the Second Great Awakening. It's also not the first time that they've had revival at Asbury. <clears throat> the most um, noted revival that has taken place prior to the 2023 revival at Asbury is from 1970. It started on February 3rd of 1970, and they say that the revival was going so strong that classes were actually canceled, and the revival was characterized as a nonstop rejoicing that continued for 144 hours. Uh, this current revival started on February 8th on Wednesday, and it's still going on right now. Uh, the last thing that I've seen noted that there are more than uh, 20 other schools that have made the trip to Asbury to participate in the revival that is taking place. It's also interesting to me to note that in 1970, many people say that it was a lot of unrest that sparked this revival that took place in 1970. And if we look at the current context of things that are happening in our world, and more specifically with the United States, I don't think it's a coincidence that we see this same revival taking place amidst what's going on today. <clears throat> so, Brian, one of the questions I have to you is, what are others saying about the revival that's taking place? Okay, that's a good question. So, there is uh, many reports, many of the things that I've seen online about the revival, what the community is saying about um, uh, the revival that's going on there are very positive things. In fact, a lot of media, local media outlets are saying positive things about this uh, for a couple reasons. One of the things is that it doesn't look like that something like this is um, being orchestrated by an administration or some other type of agenda like that, but it's it's student-led. It's sort of happening organically. The students are coming together. Uh, there's no clear leader, so it's like it, it really feels like an organic move of God that's happening, and uh, it doesn't have a, a, a production feel to it. There's no screens or fancy lights or fog machines or anything like that that have become commonplace in a lot of uh, church environments today. It just seems like a very uh, uh, real, rich approach to God, and and things are just happening uh, as the Holy Ghost is leading people. And that's what it feels like to the community. So it feels very authentic. And so, uh, in fact, there's people that are reporting that there's healings and things like that, but not everything is positive. Uh, there's some people that say that the students are doing this for attention because there was a previous uh, revival in 1970 on the same uh, campus, and so uh, kids are trying to just reproduce something uh, out of attention. There's no order of service, so uh, you know anybody can go up there and grab a microphone and start singing, and so uh, and there's no clear leader uh, that can help them go from an experience of, from God and an experience with God to un really understanding the theology. Of, of spiritual realities. And so there's a lot of good. There is some negative uh, that some people are concerned about, 
but it uh, seems to be something that's viewed as being very um, authentic. So in light of all of the things that are happening right now in Kentucky at Asbury University, it makes me wonder how should apostolic Pentecostals view what is going on there? What should we think about it? What are your thoughts, Dr. Wilson? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that all of us know, and I think it probably doesn't matter what denomination you may be in, that everybody believes that the most pristine and ideal model and pattern of the Christian church is found in the Bible. And that's why you have all these restorationist groups, all of us, that seek to go back and model what we are and what we do after the New Testament church, what we find there. And of course, we find that church birthed on the day of Pentecost. So the answer to how does this relate to the apostolic movement is that the apostolic movement, if they were asked, what do you think we ought to do? We would say, keep going. And if you worship and keep going and keep pursuing and keep loving God, then what will happen to you is already patterned for you. It's not my opinion. It's not anybody else's opinion. If you believe that the Bible has the perfect pattern of the Christian church for all ages, then next for you would be go to Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, and see how the first church was formed and see what happened to them experientially. That's where it all starts. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Thank you for being with ATA today.